Welcome into another edition of Sport Ball. Wow, it's great to be back, boys. It's been a while. Sure is. It's like we never left. <laughs> I have Seth and Kyle with me here. How are we doing? Greetings, greetings. Great. Good. That's good to hear. Anything new in your lives? Lots, actually. Uh, got classes starting again. Second year of my dual master's program. Um, and we've got a part-time job at the Women's Leadership and Resource Center. And I've started an Etsy. So keep me busy. Incredible. I think, actually, since the last time we recorded, Kyle has changed into a married man. So congrats yeah. to Kyle. Some would say I've reached my final form, but <laughs> the best is yet to come, I've heard. So. <laughs> nah, that's once you have kids, that's your final form. That's true. And then that's true. Yeah. So I just and then you die, and that's your yeah. final form. <laughs> so we have yeah. gathered here today to discuss many things. Number one, the NBA Finals, which are going on concurrently with us existing. Number <laughs> Seth is muted, but just dying. At the, <laughs> number two, the NFL season, which is a quarter way through as we speak. So for reference, we are recording this on Thursday. The eighth of October, eight oh two p.m. The eve Western of time, and it will be posted. So help Sam's God, before the game on Friday, before the NBA game. We yeah, we're hoping that Sam doesn't believe in a God. <laughs> yeah, <That's true. laughs> we are hoping it will post before the next game. But if it doesn't, forgive us. It will us. be posted if it doesn't by so, complete disaster. And I expect by two oh two a.m. October 9th. I'm just looking out for our listeners. You know. We have five devoted listeners, and we are everything to them. Six of which are Austrian. <laughs> uh, so, I want to start by just talking about the and the NBA Finals, um, Lakers Heat. And as we know, Game Four was a couple of days ago. Great game, I thought. It really felt like the finals, despite all of the different things about the bubble. Um, the Lakers won by six. They go up 3-1, take a commanding 3-1 series lead. LeBron with the 28-12-8. Uh, and eight. and um, yeah, the Lakers role players played great. Jimmy was covered by AD in that game, um, which was an interesting change. So Kyle, why don't you start us off, take us, uh, take us through that game and any, anything you noticed? Um, obviously... Bam Adebayo, back in action. Anytime Bam's on the floor, you love to see it. He looks pretty uh, good too, right, I thought? Yeah, he didn't look hobbled or anything at all. I mean, it, it was, what, his left shoulder, right? So. Yeah, I think it's mostly a pain thing. So. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, not even just this series, but throughout the whole playoffs, we've kind of seen – the Lakers role players step up to a level that they didn't play at at all during the regular season. And I've mentioned to you guys too many times, it's like you have two of the best players in the world on one team. So it was going to be hard no matter what, but when you have average to just below average role players that are playing at an above average level every single night, somehow that's a team that's impossible to beat. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. LeBron wasn't an underdog. He never was going to be. But yeah, with Markeith Morris shooting like, what, 40-something percent from three during the bubble, you got Cantavius Caldwell-Pope 
averaging, I think, like 14 points a game or something. I don't think he took more than like four shots a game during the regular season. I feel like I can't – he doesn't miss. Somehow Anthony Davis doesn't miss anymore either. I don't – Somehow Anthony Davis is playing well too. It's – I mean, come on. Well, I mean, I feel like any time he shoots, it's like guaranteed to go in. <laughs> I never thought that about Anthony Davis. And I mean, there like was – It's not like he's at the basket either. Everything's a mid-range or a three-pointer essentially. Right. There was game two in the finals when he just was He just took a back seat. He oh, was yeah. like 14 game, or 15 yeah. at one point in the game. And then, yeah, game three, he kind of fell off the horse um, for that. He just like took a back seat that game. Trouble. It was weird, yeah. Yeah, he only shot like nine times. Right. But, yeah, I mean, Kyle, I think the point that you're making with the Lakers role players, it's like the Heat – the Heat's best chance in this series was going to be, hey, the sum, <clears throat> the the right. whole is greater than the sum of its parts for right. the Heat, and that they're a complete team with depth. They can beat you in all sorts of different ways. They've got three-point shooting. They've got Jimmy. They've got Bam, great defense. Goran making step-back threes, um, drawing fouls. Right, they got all sorts loss. of weapons. And then Goran was out. And then it's like you compare that to what was supposedly a two-man team. A two-man team. But in reality, like, the Lakers role players are playing well enough where they're, like, a complete team, too, it feels. Uh, And you saw down the stretch in game four, which, let's be honest, was a must-win game for the Heat. It was, like, Contavious hitting a three, Rondo getting penetration making layups you know it wasn't like lebron and ad mm-hmm. i mean anthony davis had that um he had the dagger three-pointer dagger but it was off of you know i think i think it wasn't that from caldwell pope it's like a pass it's from rondo's pass yeah but yeah to your point the last yeah. three possessions down the clutch it was a rondo layup kcp three kcp driving layup none of which involved lebron or ad at all and um, and I, th- I feel like all throughout the year, we were kind of like, well, who's the Lakers' third best player? Who's going to step up and be, be that third guy? And, it's fucking and in reality, up. it hasn't mattered at all because it's someone different every game. You know, it's this game, KCP had 15 and 5. You know, Rondo's had a couple great games in the playoffs. Um, Kuzma and Markeith Morris have stepped up at times. So it just hasn't really mattered. You know, I mean and- – You've got to give the Lakers credit, too. I think the system, I'm sure Frank Vogel deserves a lot of credit. I think it's always hard to know, like, how good coaches are. But also LeBron's leadership, buying in on the defensive end from the beginning of the season. And obviously we always knew, like, he's a playmaker. He puts his team, his teammates in positions where they can succeed. Um, And that investment – is paying off now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, I've been rooting for the Heat the whole playoffs on the Eastern Conference side. Um, obviously, like we've talked about, they have an incredible team. And the the culture that Spolstra and with the help of Jimmy and Bam have really built there is, I'd say, probably one of the best cultures, if not the best culture in the NBA. And it's I don't like, know if anyone's mentioned this, but I feel like Jimmy Butler is like a really good fit 
for the for the heat culture. Yeah. No, he is. <laughs> like I was, I was telling you guys that there was an article not too long ago posted on the Athletic about um, about kind of the wrong perceptions everyone has had about Jimmy over the last couple of years. You know, talking about him being essentially like a dick, right, to his teammates and at practice and all that stuff. But in reality, it was like. Jimmy just wants to go to work, work hard, and wants everyone around him to work hard. Yeah. And he didn't get that at all in Minnesota, and that's what they touched on, um, which obviously led to the very infamous uh, practice scrimmage game where Jimmy didn't score a single point and the B and C team players destroyed the, the starters on Minnesota. And then he went to Philadelphia. He had a really great relationship with Embiid, but he didn't feel like – really anyone else on the team had had the work ethic that he obviously had and and wanted the rest of the team to have and then he finally got to Miami and every single person every single player bought in to to Jimmy's mentality of like people want to think we're the underdogs we're going to work harder and we're going to prove them wrong and um like Tyler Hero immediately bought into it he saw Jimmy being the first player at the gym every single day at 5 a.m. and over the off season for a month straight he showed up at the same time and worked with Jimmy he was like this is I've never been worked in any practice in my life this hard before and it was just him and Jimmy it was no <laughs> one else it wasn't a coat it wasn't Spolstra it wasn't anyone it was just that was Jimmy so I, I think you know we've seen throughout this playoffs Jimmy's real bid to become a Hall of Fame player they're probably not going to win, right? They're not going to come back from being down 3-1. But the just the tenacity and the, the way Jimmy has played and didn't act like we're at a disadvantage at all when they lost players, uh, I think it speaks a lot more highly of him than, you know, the general public thought of Jimmy over the last couple of years. Yeah, I want to talk about Jimmy because – I mean, I don't know about – I think Hall of Famers is stretch at this point, but he did have one of the greatest finals games ever in game three. I mean, it's, just, it's one of the greatest finals games ever. I mean, he had a 40-point triple-double, didn't take a single three, <laughs> and he finished with 40, 11, and 13. For the series, he's 28, 8, and 10, eight and 10 with two steals per game. I mean, he's just – he's been everything for the Heat. And I was thinking about <laughs> – well, first of all, it's kind of ironic because I feel like I'd rather have him on my team than either Embiid or Simmons. And <laughs> it's ironic that he was on that team last year and we saw him uh, take over down the stretch of playoff games and now they're left without him and we saw how that went. But I was thinking about, okay, how many players in the NBA would I really take over Jimmy? And I wrote a list. And it's funny because Classic. people would say, okay, this is – this is um, Recency bias? Thank you. Recency bias. But we've always known he can be this player. We just never got a chance to see a deep playoff run by him. And it's a shame that there may be other players out there. I don't know if any as good as Jimmy that we'll just never get to see this from, you know, but you'd love to see it on the biggest stage. I put him, I have him 10. Okay. You're going to take LeBron. That's outrageous. You're going to take LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, Luka, AD, Jokic, Harden, Steph, and Durant if they're healthy. I bet Kyle wouldn't take Giannis. And then... Not without a jump shot. (laughs) (laughs) I think Damian Lillard has to be in there too, so he might be 11, but... 
You I don't, gotta well, take Bain. Come on. Where would you guys slot him in there right now? Because I think that like people often say he's a top fifteen, top twenty player, but I really think he's gotta be discussed as a top ten player. I'm not gonna disagree with you at all. Obviously, you know I love Jimmy, especially, you know, rising to stardom as a bull. Like we've been rooting for him since we drafted him out of Marquette. So it's like obviously I have some bias in that sense too, in that we saw the greatness of Jimmy Butler before I think the rest of the world decided to catch on to it. But I don't think it's a stretch to say top 10. He two-way players in the NBA. He's definitely top 10. He might be top five if you're considering, you know, not many players have that, that ability on the defensive end that Jimmy does. Well, one, Plus, player, one player I would take ahead of Jimmy is his teammate, Bam Adebayo. I think Bam's better. Obviously, different skill set. You know, who's going to take the last shot of the game? You want Jimmy, but I think overall what they bring to the team and giving you something that's so difficult to find in the NBA, I would take Bam. Um, well, you know Kyle loves that too, so. Right. <laughs> I think I think Tatum is up there. Yeah. Um, I think I would take Jimmy over like Devin Booker, Bradley Beal types for his defense. Paul George. I mean, that's that's the biggest leap for me. I would definitely take him over Paul George now, which I wouldn't have said a year ago. Pandemic P's ass. And then the other thing is like Jimmy's outside shooting has drastically improved in the playoffs. So Mm -hmm. to what extent is that sustainable? It's hard to know. But on the other hand, you could say, well, this is when it's most important anyway is in the playoffs, so what do I care? Would you take him over CP3? Yes. Mm, yeah, I guess. But it's close. Maybe not. Would you take him over Depends Westbrook? Who else I have on my team. Yes. Definitely at, at this point right now, Westbrook's if we're asked. talking just today, yes. At their peaks, no. Westbrook's like in the 30s. At their peaks, no, you can't. Westbrook. Oh no, not at their peak. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm just going to say that. Westbrook might have had one of the greatest peaks of any NBA player like ever. <laughs> I think he's right there. Insane. I think he's right there in the top ten, top fifteen, which I guess is what we had him before. Real question like, though is like, so are you thinking of this in the sense of like you're starting a team today? Where no. are you ranking? No, because if that's the case. Jimmy's a top five player, just based on everything that I read and just talked about. I mean, if that's the case, Luca would be number one, and then LeBron wouldn't be number. Well, maybe LeBron would be number one. Like I'm not taking Jimmy <laughs> solely for what he could do. I'm taking Jimmy for what he could do for the rest of the team too. Right. Well, well I would take him. Can't say he's top five because he's too old. You would want yeah. Luca and Giannis and Tatum and those guys. If you're if you have them for you know. Okay, maybe top five is wrong. Say. But, Say top ten for sure. I was. But just the point that. is, he's a culture setter. I think is right. Yeah. yeah. Well, if I was making a team, I would take him over James Harden. <laughs> like I don't want James Harden on my team, but. See the thing is, know. this is kind of a <laughs> mutt discussion because. It really a mutt discussion. Did you mean moot? <laughs> moot? Did I say mutt? I yeah. meant moot. That was. I don't know why I said that. Then. It's just a discussion uh, between dogs. That's all it is. <laughs> but it's like. Again, depends on how you want to build your team. 
Yeah, I mean, like, we don't have to go through. Yeah, yeah. Just, we don't have to go into the weeds. Of it. I just wanted tangent. to kind of, I kind of wanted to just check in and see how we felt about him. Also, I want everyone to know that I was looking back at a list I made in 2017 of the top 35 players, which I don't know why I did, but just to, as a so reference, you're probably debating something. At 35, I had Avery Bradley. <laughs> It seems like so long ago that he was good. That's so funny. Uh, and Jokic was 26, so quite the glow up for him. Wow. Um, <laughs> okay, so I know that this series isn't over yet, and I'm not discounting the Heat making a comeback by any means. I mean, I picked the Lakers in seven, um, so obviously I think it'll be a good series with Goran out that does change things. But it could. This, this could and should, I think, in my opinion, be a tied series. The Heat should have won that game. Yeah. They kind of faltered down at down the stretch. I mean, it's tough for them without Goron. Like, it's right, such yeah. a big drop off to Kendrick Nunn. And yeah. it's it's funny too because you know, Kendrick Nunn made the All Rookie first team, and Tyler Hero made the All Rookie second team. And it's like in the playoffs, Nunn is unplayable, and Tyler Hero. He had like a good, he had a decent player. game. He's played pretty well, honestly. It's just he's not Goron. Speaking as someone who's rooting for the Lakers, every time he takes a shot, I'm happy. So I don't know what that's yeah. about him. But. but for the record, that vote was correct. Yeah, of course. Right. I just, it's just crazy how things turned in the bubble. Right. I feel like people are saying, like, oh, how could people have voted Tyler Hero second team and not first team? So, well, they're voting based on how well they played in the regular season, not yeah. retroactively based on what they're doing now. So I mean, whoever said that was dumb. That's why Giannis got MVP, too. Right. It's a regular season award, of course. And I, I heard a point about how, like, for some of these young players, uh, the layoff from the end of the season when Rudy Gobert tested positive to the bubble was kind of like an off-season for them, right? So if you think, okay, Tyler Hero had an off-season to work on his game, it's almost like he's matured into a second-year player now. And Kendrick Nunn had COVID, so obviously he wasn't – able to have that kind of same off season, you know? So that's, I think that's part of, part of how that happened too, you know? Also Tyler Hero is just an animal. Like he was insane in college. Like <laughs> it's not like, you know, this is anything crazy that we shouldn't have seen coming. Like this is how Tyler Hero has been. Yeah. His whole basketball career. Yeah. But anyway, I was bringing all that up to say that I do want to talk some big picture things, even though the series isn't over, just because I don't know, we're not going to podcast again before the series is over. So we got to talk about LeBron. We got to talk about his legacy. I mean, would it be this podcast if we didn't talk about that? (laughs) So if he does win this, this will be his fourth. And also I would like a public apology from both of you while we're on the subject, because that's right. Don't look so surprised, Mr. Kwam, because We've all been LeBron fans all our life, right? Not we always root for him. We 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 always loved watching him play. I didn't contact with him until 2003. And yet this playoffs, I've watched as you both root against him every series and picked against him every series. And here I am alone with LeBron, and LeBron's been texting me 3 a.m. like he always does, but this time a little more despondent, saying, where have Seth and Kyle been? You're the only one for me now, Sam. And – it brings a tear to my eye. It does. Um, I will not apologize. <laughs> I was very clear. You know, one of the things that's important to me about relationships is communication and boundaries. Yeah. And years ago, when LeBron was still on the Cavs, 
we had a great relationship, he and I. There was a lot of love there. Um, and I told LeBron, I was very clear. There's one thing you can't do. It's join the Los Angeles Lakers. Go to any other team. I'd even be okay with the Bulls. Not a big Bulls fan, but if you wanted to go there, that's okay. And I told him in advance, if you go to the Lakers, we are over. And he's the one that broke that trust. So I did not break up with LeBron. He broke up with me. And <laughs> I feel absolutely no guilt about cheering against him as long as he's wearing the yellow jersey. I guess that's acceptable. I will say that I told LeBron, wherever you want to play, you're your own man. And you should choose to do that. And I'll stand by your side and support you. But that's just me. Kyle, speak for yourself, please. I have only really picked against LeBron because I didn't expect, like I've mentioned before, the Lakers role players to play at the rate that they've played at. Like I, against Houston, they definitely could have lost, but their role players in that series, they were, you know, unstoppable, like not unstoppable, but I mean, they were hitting all the shots they needed to hit. And if that didn't happen, then Houston has a much better chance, right? And so really that's the big reason I've been uh, picking against LeBron these whole playoffs. And obviously now matched up against the Heat. I wasn't going to falter on the Heat at this point. Don't get me wrong. I said it the other night. I love LeBron. He's the greatest player of all time, no matter what anyone says no matter that he has, has less rings than Jordan. Um, but the one thing that's I've really like put a sour taste in my mouth is I don't know if it's actually true or not, but I feel like he just complains so much more than he used to. Like obviously, right. All the star players, they, yeah, they complain to the refs. Right. But I feel like any single time, LeBron gets anywhere near the paint, he turns around and waves his hand at the ref. Like, no matter what, no matter if he makes the shot, no matter if he doesn't make the shot, it's turn around, put my hands up, someone did something to me. There's going to be contact in basketball. There always is. And I think that's one of the reasons, too, that I've, you know, that whole thing with Jimmy is like, you don't, when was the last time you saw Jimmy or anyone on the Heat complain to the refs? They get hit, they go down hard, they get right back up and they run to the other end of the floor. Everyone's like, Oh, you know, LeBron or AD, they get knocked out and they stand up and they just wait at the other end of the floor. Hope the other team doesn't score. Or if they do score, they're standing down there all alone. They don't run back at all. It's just like, so mad. (laughs) it's just, it's getting on my nerves. Like it's annoying. You're the best player in the world. You don't need to complain for fouls every single time. And I think you'd have a better legacy for with the people that grew up with Jordan, if he didn't do that, that's okay, one of the that's, biggest. That's one of the biggest <laughs> complaints I hear from like my brother and his friends. Is like, I oh, think that you just notice it more because you're rooting against him now. And he even if I was rooting that. for him, no, it's. I mean, like I said, he's all. All the stars essentially do it right, but yeah. Just at, at the level he's played at his entire career, I don't think he needs to do that. I think that just in general, and it's just annoying. these days, more than in the 90s when Jordan played, players complain more, it, it does seem. And I don't know why that is, but 
Harden does it really badly. Luca's one of the worst for it. And it's definitely my least favorite part of the game. And it's definitely my least favorite part of LeBron's game, for sure. I think there should be a rule change. Similar to the flapping rule, where you could get a technical foul or get fined for flapping. I think it'll probably be a fine. It's hard to do this in the moment. But I think if, for example, you go up for a layup, someone tries to contest your shot, they get all ball, or they miss entirely, and you miss the layup, and then you complain to the refs, and you can see later in the replay that, okay, clearly you were not touched, and you're just complaining because you missed the layup, and you want, like, to have an excuse for why you missed. I think there should be a penalty for that, because it's just, like you guys are talking about, it's the least in part, least enjoyable part of the game for the fans. And honestly, the fans are a big part of why the NBA is successful, obviously. So ultimately I think we want to be creating the best product, the most enjoyable product on the floor. And I think having some kind of disincentive for that constant complaining, especially when it's clear you're in the wrong, it was a good call and you're complaining about it just to complain or like I said, to have an excuse so that your teammates are like, Oh, that's why he missed. It's not, you know, or the fans are like, see, you know, he doesn't just miss layups. He was fouled. Um, Yeah. See, yeah. Yeah. I I agree. There needs to be some type of penalty system, right. For that. You know, I think the most drastic thing that's like attainable that they could do would be, okay. If you want to complain, then fine. It's going to extend basketball games probably by a considerable amount, but review them, review the call. And if it was an actual foul, then call the foul. But if it wasn't a foul, take a timeout away from the team. See, I there's already once, too many re- replays, you, dude. Once teams are out, too many. Once teams are out of timeouts, then it goes to a, a two free throws to the other team. These games are almost unwatchable down the stretch now. How many players would complain if that was the case? If they had the, uh, you know, the chance of losing a timeout for their team, but that makes it even more unwatchable. I would say no one's going to complain. On the replay idea, um, my dad and my uncle were talking about this a while back. Both, I think, would work even better in football, but I think it could work just as well in basketball. Is like. If you just have some refs up in the booth or whatever in Secaucus, New Jersey, watching, and they just watch every play, and if there's like a close play, they watch a replay of it immediately, and any time that there's an egregious missed call, bad call, then they, you know, call in and stop the game and fix it. Right. So especially football, when there's a stoppage after every play, it would be really easy to just watch that play over, make sure there wasn't like that we've seen in the past, like a horrible pass interference or like clearly holding or whatever. And if there is, then you stop the play and then you don't have to worry about challenges. There's just an objective person watching everything. And if there's an egregious mistake, changing it and I think that would alleviate a lot of the biggest problems with calls in the NBA and they can still review the like, okay, who touched it last? Um, Did, 
you know, was their toe on the three-point line and that kind of stuff that's just so hard to see in the moment because it's so close. But I think that would really help. And then you wouldn't have to have these coaches' challenges and the players going like this to tell their coach to challenge all the time, which is also annoying. If you didn't see because you can't see because it's a podcast, Seth was doing a little twirling with his fingers. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we got to move on because we was a little pressed for time, but I think we just solved – yeah so you're welcome adam silver um so if lebron wins this this will be his fourth title um so he's getting up there you know obviously we know bill russell has 11 jordan has six magic and five um forgetting robert and <laughs> robert Ory was seven the greatest player of all time Dude, doesn't he have eight no Okay. He will have eight when he wins a championship for my team that I drafted on this podcast. And uh, <laughs> and he's been to 10 finals now, which is second only to all those Celtics players that made so many, Sam Jones, Bill Russell, all them. So, I mean, at this point, I almost feel like the Jordan camp and LeBron camp, you're not changing their mind no matter what. But – do you guys feel like this fourth title, what do you think it does for his legacy? Do you think it really vaults him ahead of Jordan in a lot of people's eyes? And what do you think about his chances to get to five and six in the next couple of years? Yeah, I don't think it changes many people's minds. I think it's people's minds aren't going to be changed until he's at six. Yeah, honestly, six or seven will, if that were to happen, I think would start to move the needle a little bit. Um and obviously, nothing has changed for me. I'll always have him last in the NBA rankings because he plays with Lakers. So, um, yeah, I mean, I really it doesn't change my opinion of him much. I've always thought, I guess it's just incredible that he's still doing it at this age and this point in his career. But it's not like we saw signs of decline and now he's made a comeback. Like, this is who we thought he was. We knew that if he had someone as good as Anthony Davis on his team, he could win a championship still. So I feel like. But I do think just the fact that it kind of just reinforces the fact that if LeBron is in the playoffs, he's making the finals and it just keeps going. I mean, it's insane. It's crazy. What he's done is nuts. And, you know, that's just part of the LeBron legacy. And it's always going to be that way. Like, you know, we've said it's I don't want to bring politics into this, but it's like there's LeBron people and there's Jordan people, there's Democrats and there's Republicans. There's those it types really of people is. that no matter what you say, no matter what the other person does, they're not going to back them. And it's like, that's uh, until LeBron has six rings, then maybe for a couple of people, it moves the needle. But yeah, other than that, people are just so set in their ways. It's just not going to change. It really does remind me of our two party system. Cause it's not, it doesn't seem like a lot of people are torn. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know, like LeBron or MJ, which I kind of feel like I am, honestly. But so I guess that's one person. But <laughs> mostly I feel like people are so entrenched in their views. But it's just incredible, man. I mean, nine finals in the last 10 years. And I think he's going to win finals MVP if they win, don't you? I mean, he's at 28, 11, and 9. Decent What's numbers, AD? I suppose, AD. if that's what you're looking for. AD has at 26, is 9, and into that sort of thing? <laughs> AD's defense though man we gotta t- just hit that really quickly I mean he basically closed that game out on the defensive end last, the couple nights ago and 
he's just everywhere, man. Like he can, he can cover three options at once on the pick and roll. I mean, I know he was second in the league in uh, defensive player of the year voting, I believe, and deservedly so. I think he's one of the best defenders in the league, maybe the best defender. Yep. Yeah, I mean, this is why um, in our last podcast, that was our last podcast, right? We did the draft with Nick. Mm-hmm. I think so. It was like, that's why I picked him because it's just he's a unique talent offensively and defensively. So you saw how um, he and Bam are similar in that way, right? Bam had that incredible block against Tatum, mm-hmm. one oh. of those games against the Celtics. Blocker um, around the world. <laughs> and then you saw Davis with a really incredible clutch block down the stretch of that game four. Um, yeah, he's amazing. LeBron's amazing. That's why they're a good team. Hashtag oh, analysis. my God, analysis. Thank you. Uh, so, like I said, let's wrap this up on the NBA before we go to the NFL. But I did want to ask you guys, because I don't think we'll be doing another podcast before the NBA season is over. Let's do a little bubble exit survey. You know, did you enjoy the experience? Did it feel like the real playoffs to you? Um, I think we want to talk about some surprises, good and bad, that we that we found in the bubble. So, Seth, why don't you start us off? Just just give us uh, your thoughts at the end of the bubble. Yeah, I think by all accounts, the bubble was great. Um, it clearly was a safer work environment for NBA players and teams than basically any other work environment in the country right now. So I think that's good. Um, You know, there's some critiques that's like the privilege that the NBA players have or being tested all the time and everything. But you can also argue, Hey, this is their, their employer is setting this up and kudos to their, their employer for creating a safe work environment for them. Um, So I think the bubble was, was amazing. Um, the virtual fans were good. Um, I was just kind of reflecting on all these things in the playoffs that happened so far, which sometimes can go, um, can just like fade from our memory because we're so focused on the finals and everything. But some of the big surprises, right? Multiple 50 point games, from Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell in the same series. That was incredible. Um, the Luca step back was incredible. Mm. Um, uh, the Phoenix Suns going undefeated in the bubble and still missing the playoffs, sadly. That was wild. That was probably the biggest surprise overall since the bubble started. Um, I think it's worthwhile mentioning the heat and how far well that they've done in the playoffs, how far they've gotten as a surprise. Um, And then I also think some of these things that are like, yeah, we probably should have predicted that maybe we did predict it. Uh, The Sixers falling apart, just crumbling. Um, Harden being disappointing in the playoffs. Giannis being disappointing in the playoffs. Um. Yeah, so just some other thing, some things like that that I wanted to bring up. I don't know what y'all think or if you have other kind of surprising or not surprising things or any comments on those. You know, it's funny you talked about the Sixers and well, if we predicted it or not. I think at the beginning of the season, both me and Kyle had them in the finals when we did our predictions for the early year. I think I said Lakers, Sixers. So you and I two, did, you know? I think. I don't know if okay, Kyle did. I had, I had Clippers, Sixers. Okay. 
How'd that work out for you? <laughs> Not great. Yeah, the Clippers blowing a three-one lead. That was pretty That's surprising. Huge. Although and Doc being fired. Yeah, I think I think the coolest thing, maybe one of my favorite things about playoffs basketball is, as we know, they're very different from the regular season, and this one was even more unlike the regular season. And you just see these players take a leap, right? That you just know they're they're here for good. Jamal Murray being maybe the most distinct out of these playoffs. Um, a guy that we thought was, you know, a solid player, fringe all-star, looks like a, a stud future All-NBA guy and really stepped up these playoffs. Luca, we know how good he was, but to see him show up in the playoffs like that was great to see. And he's just further solidifying himself as a top five player moving forward, a future MVP. So I think that's my favorite part. And Tatum, right? I mean, Tatum's never been bad in the playoffs, but he certainly played very well these playoffs. So I really enjoyed watching those players step up in those big moments. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you guys have said. It's the one thing I wish the the NBA would take away from this whole bubble and bubble experience, especially, you know, outside of the playoffs was start playing games during the day. I don't want to, you know, six o'clock, six o'clock comes around, you know, Midwest time. And there's 12 games on. Spread them out. It's, it was so enjoyable to be able to sit. And obviously, you know, we're working from home still. So at least a, a good amount of the workforce still is. Um, being able to work and have something on in the background that's, like, enjoyable, you know. And, you know, one or two games at a time, you know, instead of having to be like, let me get six different browsers up so I could – try and watch or just choose one game. And then it's just yeah. like at the end of the night, you, you watch all the highlights from the other games. You're like, Oh, that was a great game. Too bad. I missed it. I, I wish they would embrace that more. You know, I'm sure the NBA players like having the extra time during the day to, to get ready and stuff. But I don't know. I think from a, a fan perspective, that's just uh, even if you know, start a games at like three or four, you know, spread that out, spread those 13 games a night out that way, you know, starting three games every hour. Yeah, it was great. To, yeah. It felt like March Madness during the beginning of the bubble with exactly four or five games a day. So that was great. Well, the bubble was a success. And I just wanted to ask real quick. Um, do y'all have changed opinions about anyone based on their playoff performance? Thinking Definitely about Seattle. Harden. Giannis, Siakam. Siakam was a big one Murray, for me. But... I would say Siakam negatively and, and Murray positively were probably the biggest ones for me. Yeah. Kyle, do you want to try to defend Harden in his disappointing playoffs once again? <laughs> if they didn't make the trade for Russ and they still had Chris Paul, with a healthy Chris Paul, the way he looked this year – Definitely was much different than what he looked like last year. So you could you could tell between, you know, last year and this year, he definitely was dealing with injuries last year. If they have Chris Paul, I think they're in the finals. Or did he just play better because he wasn't with Harden? I don't think that's it. He looked Listen. much healthier. But, I mean, it, it sucks that, um, you know, they gave up so much just to – to get Westbrook on the, the backside of his career. Like, obviously, you know, Westbrook, that's it's a big name. 
right? And it's like, oh, they're going to win it now. They're going to – it's like, yeah, but he's not the same player. (laughs) I said that. Um, (laughs) You were just mocking yourself for saying that. (laughs) But, um, I mean, I I don't know what's going to happen with the Rockets now, you know. D'Antoni's gone. I I don't know – what happens when they bring someone else in and they try to change the system. Hopefully it helps Harden, you know, maybe forcing them to spread the ball out a little more instead of, you know, giving Harden a 38% usage rate every night. But yeah, it's tough seeing him make the playoffs every year and, you know, still put up numbers, but just not winning. And as big of a Harden fan as I am, I'd like to see him win at least one championship before it's all said and done. But, you know, it is, as the years go on and the Rockets don't make the finals, it gets more and more concerning. I just don't want to hear about it anymore. That's it. I don't want to hear about Harden anymore. He's just not, he just doesn't play well in the playoffs. Yeah. Now, could he have a little rejuvenation in the last part of his career where he teams up with, you know, does a little LeBron AD thing where he teams up with, with someone in their prime. I could see that happening, but alone or with with minimal help it's not it's not happening and i don't know it's just frustrating to see you know and i hope that Giannis isn't headed down that same path where he's just worse in the playoffs but that hasn't been the case so far so that's yeah he's been bad numbers wise he puts up numbers do you guys feel like this is the last let's this let's make this the last thing before we go to the nfl but do you feel like the right teams are in the finals like do you feel like there should be an asterisk on this season because i don't no everyone no, there should the same be thing it didn't favor one player or another one team or another yeah i just want to check in because you know before it started we thought maybe i know, think there's, someone... gonna, there's there's gonna be fans you know especially when lebron wins to say oh it doesn't count right the same thing we were talking about earlier right because lebron yeah. won and because you know the circumstances that we were in oh it doesn't count no it counts it's in the record books. He won. <laughs> it's like a positive asterisk to go through this bubble. I mean, it's mentally draining on your mental health. They spent months without their family. They had they couldn't leave, you know, a uh, however big their campus was. It's not like huge or anything. It's like they they were stuck to just be with themselves and their team. You're right. And that's you know, there's been a lot of players that talked about how tough it's been Oh, yeah. Having a family there, right? Definitely. So, yeah. All right. Bubble is a success. Let's uh, let's move on to the NFL. The NFL, guys, we haven't covered that on this podcast yet, the 2020 season. And we're a quarter of the way through. I mean, what the hell is going on here? Am I right? I know. The National Foosball League has been taken off. (laughs) It is a sport with a ball, technically. Right. Um, So, we wanted to do a little – little I don't know what review I don't know what a good word for it is but just kind of take stock of the NFL quarter way through the season let's try to hit all this pretty quickly because I know people don't want to listen to us for more than an hour um we want to start off by naming our biggest surprises of the first quarter so I guess I'll start because why the hell not am I right my Biggest positive surprise was, and we may have some of these the same, but for me, the biggest surprise so far has been the Buffalo Bills offense and Josh Allen, because I think we all thought the Bills would be solid going into this year, that them and the Patriots would be vying for that division title. 
but I expected to be on the, the shoulders of their defense. Right. And instead, their defense has not been good. I mean, it's 22nd in DVOA, which you know I love. And their offense has been incredible, and Josh Allen is in the MVP race. Josh Allen is in the MVP race. If I told you that before the season, you would have said what? You would have said, get out. We don't never call this number again. Don't call so, this number again. <laughs> so Allen's been – you know, the knock on him was always that he wasn't very accurate. He's been extremely accurate this year. Stefan Diggs has really boosted that offense. And it's a surprise to me. I expect them to be good, but not, I guess, doing it in this fashion, you know. I think you have to give a lot of credit to to their uh, their offensive coordinator. Uh, was it Brian DeBole, I think? Dabble? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. You think I would. But they're tops in the league right now and like, play action and, and pre-snap motion. And that's a huge thing for Josh Allen because it gives him, you know, a little extra time. It takes those defenders time to adjust. Then, you know, it's not just an automatic, you know, four or five man rush. Um, the, the defense has to think what's going to happen. And like statistically play action stuff and pre-snap motion leads to just better success overall for any quarterback. And, um, you just have to really give credit to um, their offensive coordinator for for putting in that system to let Josh Allen flourish. And obviously, too, who would have thought adding, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL <laughs> to to a guy with a big arm uh, was going to help his completion rate, right? Yeah. I don't think I, I, I didn't give that enough credit coming into the season. You know, obviously Diggs has always been great. And I think I didn't really realize how great he could be because playing with Minnesota, they've been the bottom five team in the league in pass rate for like the last four or five years. So it's like you have, you had two, one of the best, I'd say top three tandems in Minnesota with Thielen and Diggs. And you chose not to throw them the ball nearly enough and, now we're seeing, you know, give him the volume and Diggs is going to produce. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I've, I've been enjoying it with having Diggs on my fantasy team. And you can imagine why Diggs felt so um, disillusioned in, in Minnesota and felt like he wasn't getting the touches that he should have. And, you know, now he's showing the world what he can do when he does get those touches. Seth, give me your biggest surprise. Um, from a biased perspective, um, my biggest negative surprise for myself is how bad the Vikings' defense is. It's just an abomination. Um, I think we've got like Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, and that's about it. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's a lot of young players, a lot of long cor- young corners. And hopefully they'll improve, but this year I don't think that's going to happen. Um, yeah, but I think that's it's kind of funny. So my two favorite teams are the Vikings and the Seahawks, obviously with Russell Wilson being my favorite player and my one true love. And the Seahawks defense has also been an abomination. They've been awful, um, but it hasn't mattered because they have let Russ cook. Um, they're finally 
changing that tide that Kyle always talks about and being more pass heavy um, and letting Russell Wilson really do his thing in their 4-0. Unfortunately, the Vikings don't really have that option because our quarterback, Kirk Cousins, couldn't start on a Little League team. Um, so letting him cook is like we're going to have some terrible food if Kirk is cooking. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll take solace in, um, in that surprise and that change with the Seahawks. And I really hope it continues and that, um, you know, that'll lead into our discussion about MVP. You mentioned Josh Allen. I think Russell Wilson's definitely in that conversation right now. Yeah. And, I think this year he finally gets his first MVP vote. Yeah. And At least they, about certainly if they keep letting him throw the ball and, and do his thing. Yeah, I think at this point, it's probably going to be Wilson, Mahomes, or Rodgers. Maybe Josh Allen, but I just I have my doubts about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lamar could always make a late-season push, too, but after voters have saw, saw him versus Patty in that game and, and right. Mahomes uh, played him by so much, I just don't know how he leapfrogs Mahomes before the end of the season. Yeah. yeah. Kyle, what's been your biggest biggest surprise so far? Um, you know, I'm trying to start getting it trending. Uh, it hasn't really caught on yet. Um, but I've been, you know, tossing in as much as I can on like Twitter and such the hashtag, uh, let Mitch cook. Um, (laughs) (laughs) no, that's not true at all. Uh, but I think my biggest surprise is probably, you know, Dallas Cowboys. Thank God you said it. Three, uh, easily and definitely should be 0 and 4. Um obviously they've they've dealt with their fair share of injuries on the defensive end. Um and you know Seth your Vikings defense not great but I could I can assure you that the uh Cowboys fans are <laughs> feeling it much yeah. worse. Their defense is an absolute abomination. They disgusting. Uh, they can't stop anyone. I mean, it's insane, but it also, like, you know, I think is letting the world see what Dak Prescott could do. Like, him and Russ are on the same level in in terms of quarterback skills. And, you know, they have, in my opinion, one of, if not the best offense in the NFL. If they could stop a Little League – if they could stop a Little League team, they would (laughs) – they could be 4 and 0 you know but it, it sucks that they have to play from behind every game because they're just getting gashed especially in the run game they just can't stop anyone like we saw it last week obviously the browns have a good defensive line but to average over 8 yards a carry is outrageous it's so, i had him written down here and i couldn't even bring myself to say it it's fucking despicable it's disgusting <laughs> i just they're so fucking bad Everyone comes into this season saying Dallas Cowboys, Americans team, they're back. They're going to go 13-3. and They're going to compete for the Super Bowl. And it's just the same shit we see every year. It's like – That's not true. It's not the same. Their defense is atrocious, but their offenses look better I'm than it's ever had. I'm tired of all these expectations for the Cowboys and them just being ass every year. They're the Rockets of the NFL. <laughs> God hates the state of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, say um, one other surprising thing that – all haven't brought up yet which is surprising Mm. to me 
is I brought up Mitch. The Bears, yeah, the Bears being three and one is a shock to me with how awful of a team they seem to have. But yeah. hey, we don't really have you are what your record is. An and awful team. We have all playing right now. Yeah. Yeah. And they're playing right now and they're winning by one going into halftime. So I think it's a possibility they'll be four and one. And I just don't think they're an above average team at all. So I think that every other team in history has been who their what their record is, but this is the one <laughs> that is not because we are not who our record is. I mean, our defense is better than last year. Our defense like, is fine, two, but two years ago, our terrible. defense was incredible. Last year, it took a big step back. This year, we've rebounded a bit. Defense looks good. Our offense doesn't look terrible, but Mitch, or Nick Foles is ass, and he's now our starting quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky is better than him, and he's not our starting quarterback. <laughs> And as a Bears fan, I'd like to see Mitch play just for the thrill of it. Even if we don't Ooh. win, we could go 0 for yeah. the rest of the season. Give me Mitch. <laughs> I don't understand though. Like I, I told you guys, it, I, I know, you know, everyone thinks Mitch sucks. And yeah, he's not great. But Nick Foles really isn't better. Mitch at least has legs. And it's like, you're going to bench him two weeks ago because he threw an interception. And everyone's all clamoring for how great Nick Foles is because he led a fourth quarter comeback. Mitch led a fourth quarter comeback two weeks ago, the two weeks before that. And it's like both players did it. I don't know why people think Nick Foles is that much better. He's not. We don't have time to hash this out. We don't have time to hash this out. They're both pretty bad. Uh, Bears are going to the Super Bowl, though. The Bears are destined to never have a good quarterback. Jay Cutler is – a thousand percent the best quarterback we've had in the history of our franchise and it's not very close and so that's a sad statement to have to say out loud and uh you know we trudge on so let's go into our division predictions quarter way through the season who we think is going to win these divisions we got to really rip through these we've recorded for what like fucking almost an hour who knows so that's okay we're having fun i'm having a great time personally so Let's start with the AFC East because it's the one I wrote down first. Uh, I'll take the Patriots, perhaps a little, a little controversial, especially since I named the Bills as my biggest positive surprise team. But I was just kind of looking at the schedule coming up. I mean, it's like, okay, the Bills are good. We all know that. And it's going to be the Bills or the Patriots. But they haven't played each other yet. And who have the Bills been, right? They, their only good win is against the Rams. Otherwise, they've been the Jets and the Dolphins, which I could beat. And the Raiders, who aren't very good. So, I mean, I could see these teams winning the division, but I'm going to put my trust in Belichick to beat the Bills when they meet head-to-head, and I think that should do it. What do you guys think? I feel the same. I think think they'll both make the playoffs, but I'll lean towards the Patriots because, you know, they've been doing it for 20 years. So, Yeah, there's a new regime in the NFC – or the AFC East, and it's – it's the Buffalo Bills, so I'm I'm sticking with Buffalo. You know, like best you team in New York, hands down. That's the truth. That is the truth. I think is there a, there might be like a little league team somewhere in the state of upstate New York that's better than the Jets. There might be <laughs> only one. Uh, AFC West. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this. I think we all know who's winning that division. Yep, it's Chiefs the Raiders. Keep it rolling. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's gonna be the Chiefs. 
I wrote down my reasoning for this one was come on. So I think sure. you know. Uh, AFC North. This one's a little a little frisky. There I say I we have the Browns at three and one despite having a. I just I just have a hard time watching Baker play. That's another thing about the fucking Cowboys. You give up 49 points to Baker Mayfield? That's disgusting. It wasn't Baker. Disgusting. I know it, it was the up. run game, but Baker was in the game, and that's enough for me to be outraged. Baker okay. saw the field. Baker yeah. got outplayed at the quarterback position <laughs> by Jarvis Landry. I texted you guys. I said, I said, who's the Baker best quarterback for the throw. Browns? I think it's Jarvis. I mean, Baker that could was, make that throw. That was a dime. Uh, <laughs> so... I'm going to take the Ravens in this in this um, division, even though the Steelers and the Browns are right in there. I mean, their only loss has been to the Chiefs, which is nothing to be ashamed of. And, I mean, I think they're going to be favored in most of their games going forward. And who have the Steelers be yet? No one of consequence. So I'm going to take the Ravens. I have the Ravens as well. Um, I think they, they do what – they need to do against inferior competition. They usually beat up on those bad teams, which is what you need to do to, to win a division. And it'll just be maybe the Ravens are actually the Rockets of the NFL. That's a, a very good comparison. And I think that's true because they have a certain offense that right. is honed to their best player and sometimes falls apart in the playoffs when teams have a time to prepare against them. Right. And they're, have a different kind of style offensively than most teams. Um, very heavy on Lamar, like you said. Um, but so I think they'll win the, win the division, whether they can overcome um, the chiefs and honestly, any of the other teams in the playoffs remains to be seen. Obviously I have more confidence in the Ravens than I do in the Rockets because we just have one season of disappointing Lamar in the playoffs versus many seasons of Harden, but I think he's got something to prove. I like even even in the NFL segment, we take time to take a dig at Harden just to hurt Kyle even more. Each division leader will reference Harden in the house. The easy now. answer here is Baltimore, but I'm going to pick Pittsburgh. I think that's fair. As long as he didn't pick the Browns, I was going to have an issue with the Browns. I would never do that. I think so. The, this, yeah, I'm no, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say we, we're moving to seven playoff teams in each division this year. Or, I right. mean, sorry, in each conference. Yep. There's three wild seven cards. in each division. My yeah, God. I know. So, we could do you think we see? I mean, we could see two wild cards from this division. Yeah, I think we it could. could be. It could be these two in the in the Bills could come from the next division we're talking about, too. Um, the AFC South. You know, it's funny. I was thinking when I was doing the AFC South pick, I was like, this has been so hard in the years past. But luckily, Bill O'Brien made it easier this year. He just eliminated one of the teams for us that, that's always in the mix. <laughs> He's similar to the James Harden of the NFL. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the uh, the Colts here. What do you guys think? Uh, it's between the Colts and Titans, I would think, at this point. That's outrageous. You're fucking backing Phillip Rivers? I don't feel good about it either. I mean, the man... You know, guys know I fucking hate Philip Rivers. It's not outrageous. The man has, has the best eight in the kids. Eight, but they are first in defense in DVOA, which yeah, they, have, know, they have the best so. defense in the NFL. There's no question about it. Uh, the rest of their offense, they really haven't had to do much. They haven't really played anyone tough. So I don't know what they would be able to do if they, you know, face the likes when they face the likes of like 
I want to say the Chiefs, but you could say that again for any defense. Um, but I just don't have enough faith in Philip Rivers to get the ball to anyone on the depleted receiving core of of Indianapolis because like Ty doesn't look anything near his prime anymore. And at this point, Zach Pascal might be their best receiver. And it's like, if you're running a team and Zach Pascal is your best receiver, where the hell do you think you're going to go? <laughs> and the fact that they have one of the best rookie running back prospects of all time, and it's a three-way timeshare, is just unfathomable. And I, I don't understand. I don't know if it's just we're easing him in still, but he's he's shown for years that the man produces he's electric i just don't understand why you're giving the ball so much to jordan wilkins and naheem hines yeah except who do you I, think is going to win so i picked the titans um however i will say the colts like philip rivers as much as we joke about him has had success obviously in his career and he had a lot of winning seasons with the Chargers, a lot of seasons where they won the division, played well in the regular season, and then disappointed in the playoffs. Who does that remind me of? Um, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, I think – I don't know. I just feel like when it it comes down to it, the Titans – I trust the Titans as a team more. Um, Maybe I'm just thinking about how they played in the playoffs last year. Um, I mean, they look great to start the year. It's hard to bet on Phillips. They are giving the rest of the NFL uh, COVID. So um, I'm going to pick the Titans too, but I do want to go back on, you know, Seth, you mentioned Phillip Rivers, you know, has done this throughout his career. And I think this team is very much like the the Chargers teams of old that Rivers was on and where they have a great defense. um, And Phillip really just has to be a, a game manager. But the thing is when he was game managing with the Chargers, he had, a very viable wide receiver one in Keenan Allen and one of the best tight ends of all time for most of his career. Um, And now, like I said, you have the corpse of T.Y. Hilton and uh, Trey Burton. I'm not impressed. And Phillip himself is pretty washed. So, right. Okay. So you're telling me I'm the only one that picked Phillip Rivers. Yeah. Shouldn't be surprised. What the hell is going on here? Uh, all right, so who do we think wild cards in the AFC? We think Browns, Steelers, Bills. You didn't Eagles. ask me to pick that in the in the pregame notes. You didn't tell me wild cards. So. You don't read the pregame notes. <laughs> um, right, yeah, so I think it's, the Bills for sure. Or the, the Patriots. It's the Patriots. The, the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Browns. Well, for me, it would be the Ravens and the Browns because I picked the Steelers to win that division, but – I think our wild card teams come from the east and the north. South could take. In. I was going to say I think I would take the Colts or the Titans, whoever doesn't win that, over the Browns because fuck yeah. the Browns. So that's true. They fuck me if I pick them. They fuck me if I don't pick them. It'll probably be I'm someone out. we haven't even said. Yeah, it probably will be the Jags. The Texans are going to go on like an eight zero run now without Bill O'Brien. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move to the NFC, the Conference of Champions. Um, we'll start with the NFC East. I'm not fucking picking the, the Cowboys, okay? I'm just it's not. the Cowboys. I'm going to get they're, out of the way now. Let me just talk. It's the Cowboys. They're going to win that division. They're disgusting. 
They're going to win the division. <laughs> I don't know. What, I'm, I know I'm you watch. Yeah, their defense is ass, but the Eagles' defense also ass. Give me the Eagles. And Carson Wentz is a super, farly inferior quarterback than Dak Prescott with nowhere near the offensive weapons that Dak has. I'm going to take the Cowboys offense to lead them to win the division, then the Eagles offense to win the division. I can't even say the Cowboys name on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm the tiebreaker and I'm going with the Cowboys. Fuck it. I'm straight. We done boys. This, it must be discussed that this is one of the worst divisions so far in the history of the NFL. Uh, it's the second worst in history, I think, by games lost. So, right. I mean, they they might win it, it being like six and ten. Right. So <laughs> seven and nine, six nine and one, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, if, yeah, it's not going to take much to win the division. I I'm, we can say it right now. There's only one team making the playoffs out of this division. Uh, let's go to the NFC West, which many considered before the season to be the best division in football. Still may be the case, but we know the Niners are racked with injuries and the Cardinals have been disappointing in some of these games. Uh, what do you guys, who are you guys picking to, to take this division? I think you know. South, you're picking Seattle. We all know that. I want Not a bad pick, of course. They're Kyle, undefeated. do you agree? No. Yeah. I want to agree, but I – We've seen years and years of the disgrace that is Pete Carroll run a football team. I knew it. (laughs) And I don't have faith that he lets Russ keep doing this. I just don't think he does. And if Russ isn't going to be doing this, I don't think that Chris Carson is the answer. So um, I'm not going to pick them to win the division. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Mm. That's fair. I lied. They, I'm not going with the Cardinals. I, I rescind <laughs> that. I'm going with the, the 49ers. Wow. You know, it's I funny. I thought I'm gonna... for a second with the Cardinals and then realized that for some reason, Cliff Kingsbury is running the horizontal raid offense where Kyler can't throw, doesn't, he doesn't like Kyler throw the ball more than three yards downfield. And that's not uh Still sexy though. Success. They're great when they like when you know the play breaks down and Kyler gets to do what he does best and run. But God, give me a shot to DeAndre Hopkins more than three yards down the field. I gotta He's say, I've been best. pretty disappointed in in Cliff Kingsbury so far in his He's career. He's one of the best, best just year. as handsome as ever, though. Yeah, that's yeah. the damn truth. Uh, he's still the sexiest man <laughs> coach in football. But um, no, it's DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, it might be the best you know, jump ball player in the NFL. And you're not even attempting to give him the opportunity to do what he does best. <laughs> I don't get it. So well, the 49ers, they're going to help. They're getting healthy again. Yeah. And Brandon Ayuk has, you know, showed us the, what he could do in the Shanahan system. Like he was great in college once, um, who was it? Nikhil Harry, Nikhil Harry left. And then Ayuk, really came onto the scene his last year in college and he was an incredible playmaker. And that's exactly how Shanahan's using him. His athleticism is off the charts. I will take the Rams. So we're very split on this, which is probably to be expected with such a good division. Um, I do think I'm just looking at the schedule for the Rams. It gets pretty easy uh, going ahead here. 
And I do think uh, there's a game on right after Christmas, 12-27, Rams-Seahawks, which I bet is for the division. Or at least it's going to be very important in that race. So we'll see. It, it could come down to that. But, I mean, looking at their schedule, it's nothing – Nothing special moving forward. They get to play Washington and the and the Jets, which are two automatic wins there. So, and the Dolphins as well. Is it? So we'll see what happens. But so with three wild card teams now, mm-hmm. you think we see all three wild card teams from this division? I was going to say, does the entire division make the playoffs? Is that mathematically possible? It's possible. It is possible because they would just have to beat everyone else and then split with each other, which already isn't the case with the Cardinals. So it might be a little right. unlikely, but. But um, I feel like they're better than most of the other non-division yeah. winners in the NFC. So that would be I kind mean, of fun. Any one of these teams would dominate the NFC uh, East. So <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, let's move on to the NFC North. Kyle just said. Oh, God. Just say it. Do I have to? Just, I know what you're going to say. Just say it. Bears are going to win the division. <laughs> if. If Mitch returns to, to the field. <laughs> Bears are going to yeah. win the division. I don't know what to say. Well, we've already talked about the Bears. So, Seth, just say the Vikings and we'll move on. Um, right. There, there are some teams that are easy picks to win the division. Right. There's Baltimore, Kansas City, Minnesota. Seattle, right? All those teams. Now, honestly, I think it's me, the Packers. Yeah. Um, Packers have such an easy schedule. And they're ready they're for like, – they've already banged four so wins. So. I know. They got so lucky starting off against four of the worst <laughs> teams mean, in the NFL. I'm not a Packers fan either, so whatever. But Aaron Rodgers is, like, 50 times better than any other quarterback in the NFC North. I'm pretty oh sure God, Stafford so would be second. Mitch Trubisky is the best way behind. Mitch Trubisky is ninth, which is what we said before the season. <laughs> Rodgers is an MVP candidate. Um, you know, he's had a few up and down years recently, but also there was all that um, you could tell is like bad blood disagreement with Coach McCarthy. And I think now with Matt LaFleur, they seem to have a much better relationship. And just – as someone who always roots against the Packers, there are a few players in the NFL that I'm more scared of than Aaron Rodgers, right? So I think having someone like that where running the two-minute drill or leading a fourth-quarter comeback is one of the most valuable things that a football team can have. So I'm much more worried about the Packers than anyone else in the division. I want to piggyback off that a little bit. I told you guys before this – I was going to shit on Matt LaFleur because he sucks. He has a, what, a 13-3 record as a coach of the Packers. Great. I'm not the type to let record dictate how good a coach is. Yeah, well, obviously not. not because you hate Pete Carroll and he wins every year. He sucks, yeah, too. Why he's would a terrible, he's a terrible coach. <laughs> like, we've seen it. We just, we've seen it this year. They're undefeated when you let Russ do what Russ does. They're undefeated, and he's, he's as so bad coach. as ever. Either way, this is the same Matt LaFleur that was giving Deion Lewis more touches in Tennessee I know, than Derrick Henry. They faced four of the worst, if not the worst, defenses to start this year. That's all great. Those should be gimme wins. Whether you're 
the Packers or whether you're the Bears. He still is not giving Aaron Jones a whole lot of work. Disgusting. And, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have to because of the leads that they've had. Sure, I get it. But last year, same difference. Same thing was happening. And it's like last year they also led the league in um, one one score wins. And they were like, what, like 10 and 2, I think, in one score games? It's like that's – you can't – that's not something that you – nah. I, I'm going to say that and you're going to be like, well, the Seahawks have done it. Yeah. Yeah, they have because because of the quarterback play. We don't have to go into that again. I will say that I've been waiting for you to say this because when he got hired by the Packers, I was like, why is everyone excited? This He took five years to realize Derrick Henry was one of the best running backs in football. I don't understand that at all. He seems terrible to me. And then now you finally come around. So I'm glad, I'm glad to see it. I mean, uh-huh. I hope you're right, Kyle. I hate the Packers. I hope they're terrible, but right. I don't. You know, I gotta it. say, I have bad news for you guys. I'm looking at their schedule, and uh, yeah, they're winning this division. <laughs> I told you they have an outrageously easy schedule, but I they're gonna lose the first round of the playoffs. So I mean, Texans, Jaguars, Eagles, Lions, Panthers. It's not Jets. looking good for us. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's finish up with the NFC South. Seth, you want to tell me who's winning that division? I'm taking the Saints. Bold. I think uh, they're pretty good. And I think they're going to win. Get Michael Thomas back healthy soon. Yeah, that will help. I've been disappointed with them so far. Their defense hasn't been as good as I expected. And Drew Brees, man, he can't throw downfield anymore. And whether that will – you know, derail their season or not, I'm not sure because they still have Alvin Kamara, but... I don't think he's I, been able to throw it on season for a couple of years. It's just kind of been... Do you think Sean Payton secretly, like, wow, I really wish Drew had just retired and we could have kept Teddy? Maybe. I mean, I don't I know mean he has Jameis now, James. so... Just play Jameis. I don't know what the fuck the fascination is with Taysom fucking Hill. I'm sick and tired of seeing him. Outrageous. It is really, it really is outrageous. I think I have more faith in the Buccaneers. I think I really do. And I think, I don't know if Brady is even a positive for them as, as much. He's as, their weak link on offense. Right, exactly. I mean, he can still make some throws, but, you know, of course you don't expect the 43-year-old quarterback to be at their prime, but I like the rest of this team a lot. Well, they're losing to the Bears right now, so I can't like them that much. Well, the Bears are the best team in the league, so that's not surprising at all. <laughs> I'm taking the Panthers to win the division. Oh, Ooh. somebody turned off the sprinklers. I'm not sure what that means. Or turn them on because it's getting hot in here. No, I mean, they, <laughs> I think, have shown offensively that they can compete against the top teams. And I don't think a lot of people really thought of them as being that great coming into the season. But, you know, I've been high on them ever since the acquisition of – um, what the fuck's his name that's escaping me now? Uh, their Matt offensive Rule? coordinator. No, their offensive coordinator that they got from LSU. Um, and you know it's been working. They're two and two. That's fine. That's fine. But I think their defense is also better than what people are giving them credit for. Um, and their offensive weapons, they haven't even been fully clicking. Like DJ Moore hasn't been doing anything crazy this year, and he's still their number one option. Like uh, people are saying, Oh, Robbie Anderson's the number one. Now. No, 
Robbie Anderson may have outproduced him slightly, but he's also seeing about 10% more uh, on target passes than what DJ Moore is seeing. So once that kind of levels out a little bit and we get a little more um, level, uh, uh, what's the word, you know, spread out on the offense, you know, um, I, I think they can compete with anyone. They have the offensive and, power to do it. They have the offensive talent to do it. And they're two and two basically without Christian McCaffrey. So right. getting him back obviously will be a boost. So who, who are the wild cards in the NFC? So I think we know it's not coming out of the East. We think at least one wild card, maybe two out of the West, right? I mean, I think I would say – Maybe three. Yeah, I would say Seahawks and Niners out of the out of the West, and then for the third team, I would take – I like take, the Rams too, though. Well, I picked the Rams to win the division, so. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I, think th- I think all three of those teams make it. Seahawks, Rams, 49ers. And that leaves one other wild card. Um, oh, you have to be picking the Bucks. For the wild card, then, or are you just thinking they're not yeah. in the playoffs at all? No, I think it's got to be the Bucks. Do you think there's only one team out of the NFC North, or do you think the Bears and the Packers can both make it, along with the Vikings, obviously? So, or just the Bears? <laughs> now I'm just thinking. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, let's talk. Let's fuck it. Isn't it let's funny? Just give a Super Bowl pick because yeah, no that's way. what the people crave. Yes. They well, need it. They're Super itching matchup for matchup and Super Bowl winner. All right, Seth, give it to me first. So, I think the no-brainer pick in the AFC is the Chiefs, right? Defending yep. champions, they're undefeated. Their defense they haven't shown any better. weaknesses. Defense is great. They, if yeah. anything, they're better than last year. And they they're better than last year. year. Yeah, I mean, you can be cute and pick someone else in the AFC, and it certainly might happen, but I don't yeah. see how you Any given Sunday, right? Any given Sunday, but the Chiefs yeah. are far and away the favorites, and rightfully right. so, and I think we're all going to pick the Chiefs. Right, so it's the Chiefs, and then who are you going to pick in the NFC? And I'm contractually obligated to pick one of two teams. And Wait, sadly, it's are not we paying the Vikings. <laughs> not by you. By my sponsors, uh, me <laughs> and Darn Tough Socks. Um, and Bird Box. And <laughs> Bird Box. Uh, so I'm going to say, say Seahawks. Uh, we're letting Russ cook, partially because their defense is kind of bad. And it'll be an incredible, beautiful, glorious showdown between Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. Wow, I would MVP love that. leaders in the Super Bowl. How fun would that be? That would be really fun. You think it would be fun until we get to the Super Bowl and Pete Carroll runs the ball 42 times. It's going to happen. Kyle, Kyle, what do you think? Who's, who's the NFC team? Don't say the it. The Rams. <laughs> wow, that's Rams. who I picked too, Kyle. Wow. That never goes well. <laughs> yeah, Rams fans, I'm sorry. But no, their defense is better this year. Oh, see, now I'm second-guessing myself just because of, like, how off- offensively they've been they've been playing. They've been so run-heavy, and I don't know if that's just because they really haven't had to throw the ball much uh, against the teams they played, obviously, against the Bills, and that passing game, you know, it looked good. Jared Goff is statistically so far having, I think, his best year, you know, in terms of completion percentage and completion percentage over expectation. And uh, 
average yards uh, per attempt. So uh, I think their defense can really hold it down, and they definitely have the offensive prowess to, to get into the Super Bowl. So Seth was predicting Russ versus Mahomes, and we were predicting Goff we versus Jared Mahomes, Goff. so that's a little <laughs> – also, it might be a little uh, damper on us to realize that they put 20 points up on the Cowboys week one. Uh, Embarrassing. 20. Yeah, if you're putting less than 40 on the Cowboys, you should be embarrassed. Agreed. But also, the Chiefs and Rams game two years ago gave us one of the best games ever, ever played. Really so awesome. if we yeah, can I was gonna say that in the Super Bowl. Whew. I was going to say it was kind of funny to pick that this year because – Two years ago, we were like, that's going to be the Super Bowl. This is a Super Bowl preview of this incredible game. So, you know, we, we were just a little early on it. Uh, but I just don't see any way the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Well, I do see many ways. There's 31 other teams. But, I mean, <laughs> I, it's just they're, just they're just much better than most of the teams. They're, here. I mean, they're approaching Golden State Warriors territory. They really it's are. Like, yeah, I'd there agree. could be another team that would make it there, but – I'm not going to pick any other team over them. Right. And I'm not going to lie. I want, I'd love to see the chiefs win like five Super Bowls over the next like seven years. Just so Andy Reid goes, definitely goes down as one of the greats. Cause in my mind, he already is. Right. Right. Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, Pete Carroll, you know, all yeah. the greats. All the goats. I think we should end on that because Kyle's had a really hard podcast with <laughs> the Harden and the Pete Carroll talk. So I'm just, I'm going to throw a remote through the TV if I see Nick Foles throw another fucking pass in this game. <laughs> well, All right, and with that, to. we it's are signing quarter, off. So. Any final thoughts? Seth, I know you'll usually have one. <laughs> <Pass>. <laughs> All right, well, this has been a pleasure to all our five listeners. We bid you a good weekend. And, and we on the uh, third day, Nick Foles died. <laughs>